0: Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we
1: produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your
0: host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And so today we've got something a little special. We've got the Game Awards coming up. We've got them coming up, I believe, on the 7th of December. uh, That we're going to be seeing a lot of who's going to be winning the Game of the Year Award, which is what everyone... Hopes 4 is what we talk about at the end of all of our episodes, and we're going to be talking about a few select categories that's kind of near and dear to us, and a lot of the stuff that we like to cover when we are doing the research for each episode.
1: Absolutely, and yes, you are correct. It is on the 7th, uh, just confirmed, so we'll be a little bit ahead of the curve, and you know, yeah, there are some categories here that I think are common themes that we talk about a lot within our episodes, stuff like The music, of course, we talk about, you know, various performances given by the actual voice actors or the motion capture actors, all kinds of stuff like that. So we picked five categories and Mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and just kind of pick our picks for those out of who's nominated.
0: Yeah. And then you guys keep a running track and whoever's right when December 7th comes wins every single game. You win the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) you win I don't the podcast.
1: Know. I don't know what the award is for that but you win it. You win it.
0: But I want to start off by letting you letting it sit, letting it simmer, letting it steep. What are the entries for Game of the Year? And you got to listen to us. We'll be able to talk to talk to you about those at the end of the episode, discuss what we think it's going to be and why it should be. But we have Alan Wake, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. All of these have been definitely seen in the press being some of the best games by far in each of their own respective categories. And it is cool to see them, I guess, show after show kind of keep recurring. So I'm excited to talk about those, but we're going to hit it up, as Derek said, the top of the order, the top of the episode, talking about the best score, and music.
1: Yeah, so let's go ahead and I'll just read off the five, I think, and we can uh, talk about which one would be our pick. So we've got some familiar ones that are in that Game of the Year category, but we've got Alan Wake 2, composer Petri Alanko, Baldur's Gate 3, composer Borislav Slavov, Final Fantasy sixteen composer Masayoshi Soken, Hi-Fi Rush, audio director... Shuchi Kabori and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, composed by
0: the Nintendo sound team. It's actually pretty diverse this year, not only in just kind of the different styles of games that we're getting, but in, in the audio spectrum as well. I mean, you have that eerie creepiness that comes with the Alan Wake games. You have, you know, the classic Nintendo feel and series that we get in these. Newer Zelda games, especially just this beautiful soundtrack that's built to it. And then also along with that, like looking at Hi-Fi Rush, which is this like over the top poppy game that's all about rhythm. It's really cool to see like such diversity in what we have and just so much fun.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one that's on here that I think if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you would probably expect me to pick right away would be. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom but this one to me is actually a little bit of surprise for a finalist in this category just because there are a lot of sounds reused now there is actually a separate category for sound design so maybe that's taken into consideration there obviously the Legend of Zelda games have a great musical score that's near and dear to my heart that they sort of revisit all the time but for me the one that I think is the best and probably the most unique is actually, I think, the most deserving Alan
0: Wake 2. What about you? And, and that's one that I truly, truly enjoy. Alan Wake was that sleeper hit years ago that we're now getting this, in my opinion, Faithful 2. Faithful 2, I guess, is the West. The, the Waking 2. Listen, I've got no <laughs> jokes for this whatsoever, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> Look, I it's, will. It's, listen, it's
1: later at night. We're doing these at nighttime now. It's a whole different energy. <laughs> I mean, you, we we can't be that fresh coming up. We use our jokes all day long throughout the day to keep ourselves entertained. It's fair. yeah. Jo-
0: the joke cash is gone, but you're going to call me biased this whole episode. I know everyone is. It's totally fine. I have to give it to Baldur's Gate three. I, I think it's one of those that even mixed in with the sound design and and taking that away, taking just the music itself and the score. It's beautiful. It lives in the background, but it also lives actively in front of you. The battle music that kicks in along with just the ambient ones. And then I can't say what my favorite track is without giving away a spoiler, but it is the most surprised track I've ever been hit with. And I just wanted to jam out to it. And I was like, this is the greatest thing thrown at a left field. And that's honestly for me what takes it to the top. Because otherwise, plenty of these isometric Diablo esque kind of like movement games, they have good music, but it's all scored relatively similar to each other. Mm-hmm. But some of these songs in certain areas, I'll say, really take it over the top for me. And yeah,
1: and so Alan Wake 2, my pick, you know, just to elaborate a little bit more on that, I feel like why I really like this one is that it's not afraid to utilize silence. And so those moments Mm -hmm. that you really need to have the creepy vibes, it's perfectly placed, it's always there, just sort of underneath, adding a little bit of ambiance to whatever's happening in the game. And I feel like that is a very difficult thing to do because you want to do a lot. But the simplistic sort of different sounds that I think you have to use within the horror genre to elicit the emotional response that you really want can be I think really difficult to nail down and so that's why that's my pick Baldur's Gate 3 obviously a front runner for I think a lot of these categories as well though
0: yeah and I'm excited to get to our next one Uh, It's best performance it's awarded to an individual for voiceover acting motion and or performance capture and with this we have Ben Starr from Final Fantasy 16, Cameron Monahan from Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Idris Elba, in Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty. We have Melanie Libbard, in Alan Wake 2, Neil Newbon, in Baldur's Gate 3, and Yuri Lowenthal, for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. There's two that stick out for me. Well, I guess one is just Idris Elba, being in any of this stuff. But... <laughs> But the two that really stick out for me is Cameron in Star Wars uh, doing, I believe, the VO and a lot of the mocap. Correct. Um, and basically having the entire character portrayed on him. I mean, if you look at him, it is the character that you're basically playing through that, which is amazing. Yep. And then obviously the performance that Neil Newbon does in Baldur's Gate 3 as Astarion is absolutely fantastic. It's been the meme the love the beautiful vampire man that everyone loves and it's it's great to see neil take on this role as a somewhat lesser known voice actor get this huge recognition from it
1: for me you know the two that really stick out are uh, cameron as well for star wars mm-hmm. jedi survivor first of all i mean loving the redhead protagonist we need more <laughs> representation you know, and very, very excited to support my red-headed brethren within mm-hmm. that. Yuri Lowenthal, as well, for Spider-Man, does such a great job in the Peter Parker role. Got a ton of recognition for his work in the original Spider-Man. I think he does a good job of conveying the different emotions that that character is feeling. Um, You know, with him and Spider-Man 2 sort of sharing the spotlight, I feel like there's... Definitely a sort of like a 50 50 stardom within that. But what's unique, I think, about Spider Man 2 was because Peter is under the influence of the symbiote, he is having to do these angrier lines and make them more believable Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. have this rougher edge to him while continuing, you know, the believable characterization of Peter Parker from the first playstation spider-man so i think he does a really fantastic job however i think that the star wars acting can be really really spotty just overall within the series because it has some goofy lore The prequels are very, very known for having just this awful dialogue, and that's what made them sort of cheesy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, people, we can look back on them and say, like, yeah, we loved them, but are these necessarily great? I mean, I don't know. But Cameron does such a fantastic job in that role. I think he does a really good job of making you feel like you are the Jedi that's really just trying to learn, and, and there's like a little bit of an innocence to him, but there's a confidence as well. And I think that that could be sort of hard to pull off because in the Star Wars lore, the Jedi are always these very confident in their abilities type of people, and especially the protagonists. They're sort of maybe a silent, sort of a low-key protagonist, but He's a guy that I think you can sense the fear within that character as well, because he never really truly finished all of his training. He, you know, was was still learning when Order 66 happened. And so you sort mm-hmm. of see this in-between story. And so for me, the pick is Cameron for having to do not only the voice work, but also the mocap, you know, making all that stuff feel great seem believable. You know, you've got multi lightsaber combat. So hats off to him. I think he does a great job.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely it. I think it's tough. It's a toss up for me. I, I think everyone's done exceptionally well this year. Again, I'm biased. I'm biased. I love Neil. I do. I love these things. But yeah. like, I'm gonna have to go with Cameron with this as well, just from everything that's put into it. Um, it's just been fantastic. Next up, is my category I've thrown into the ring is Best Independent Game for Outstanding Creative and Technical Achievement in a Game Made Outside the Traditional Publisher System. So obviously getting outside of that AAA, outside of having any like Daddy Microsoft or Papa EA uh, be able to publish it. Uh, we have five games in this category. We have Cocoon, um, brought to us by Geometric Interactive and published by Anapurna Interactive. We have Dave the Diver by Mint Rocket. Dredge by Black Salt Games and Team Seventeen, Sea of Stars by Sabotage Studio, and lastly we have Viewfinder from Sad Owl Studios and Thunderful Publishing. All of these, in my opinion, stand on their own. They're all fantastic games. If you love some indies, and also for some reason, we decided that we're going ocean-based with everything this year in indies, yeah. which is totally fine with me. Um, but Cocoon is is a fantastic one. Uh, video Game donkey actually did a, f- a beautiful, beautiful review video on Cocoon uh, talking about just the different worlds you get to travel in and the different like puzzle-esque elements of it with Dave the Diver. Um, do you want every game in one and you didn't realize you were getting that? Well, you have Dave the Diver for that. Uh, starts <laughs> off as a very simple game where you play as a diver that's always made fun of for being a heavyweight guy. And you go down and you hunt fish for this sushi restaurant. As the game continues, there is a multitude of, you know, on rail shooters, a uh, farming sim, swimming, a uh, danger like Sonic style gameplay. It's it's insane what they've packed into this little indie game. It's amazing. The characters are over the top. It's so much fun to see their personalities come out. And each one, when they do something for you, whether it's build a gadget, make sushi, it is an over the top anime sequence, and it is hilarious and it okay. is fun. And like the multiple times you see it does not get old and each one slightly changes, which I think is just, they, they put too much in this. This game has too much for what it is and for the price of it. It's fantastic. Nice. Uh, Dredge is another one that you're not necessarily working with a sushi restaurant, but you are trying to fish. And it has a lot of Lovecraftian lore built into it. You don't really know exactly what's happening around you. The fish are somewhat mutated in areas. You're not sure why. So it does give a little bit of mystery while also being like a very quasi chill fishing game. I quasi is definitely a denoted word in that, but it is it is very very good. Um, viewfinder, viewfinder is one of those games, kind of like Superliminal, that challenges you to see differently when you play your game, um, seeing how like you basically look through your you know. "Quote unquote viewfinder," like we see it, like a camera, something like that, and the ways that you can manipulate that and and change your terrain or change your puzzles or change how you interact with the game world um, is absolutely fantastic. And lastly, Sea of Stars is one that I have not really played too much into. I know it's like a retro-inspired turn-based RPG that lends itself to more of that classic style of gaming very much in like my realm of like fire emblem or into like final fantasy tactics and has amazing reviews throughout steam throughout playstation throughout all the consoles it's done well it's another one to check out it's really tough this year to pick i really enjoy them all i've not again played sea of stars it's on the list everything else i've had a fantastic time playing through if i have to give it to anyone I think it's Dave the Diver. I think each of them excel expertly in what they're trying to do. And I think Dave the Diver just pushes that envelope just a little bit more with those bits of unexpectedness in like, again, the weird anime character intros in exploring the story that shouldn't happen. That Most of those games shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be there, but it is and it works. And I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, man. Well, you know that I'm a sucker for fishing activities when it comes to video Mm -hmm. games. Stardew Valley, like, let me just go fish all day. Animal Crossing, same thing. How do you think I'm paying off that house? Been doing it in every (laughs) Animal Crossing ever. Just sell back them fish. So lots of, I think, from what I can see, lots of fishing activities to choose from Mm -hmm. this year. I'm not as good of an indie game player as you. So these are all foreign to me. I couldn't possibly pick a winner sure. for the category this year, but your description of Dave the Diver sounds amazing. If you have thalassophobia, though, you're probably going to want to stay away from these games, it seems like.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, but just get over it and play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, all right. Let's move on to. The most anticipated games. so these are games that have not been released yet, but we are looking forward to, we've got Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Hades 2, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Star Wars Outlaws, and Tekken 8, so some real, I think, heavy hitters. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, of course, is the sequel to the remaster part of a trilogy that they're doing to sort of mm-hmm. redo the original final fantasy 7 obviously hades 2 we've actually talked about that a little bit in a previous podcast and as well star wars outlaws was one that uh, i brought up as a game that i'm really looking forward to as well if i had to pick my personal choice it's star wars outlaws but There are, I think, a lot of space-type exploration games. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, this world not being so Jedi and Sith-centric will be very, very cool and interesting. I think they have a really great aesthetic within the Star Wars series, so that's why I'm personally looking forward to that. Sure, I think Ubisoft does really good uh, AAA titles. As I said in, in that previous episode, you know, they're not always the most groundbreaking games anymore, though. Just solid, well-built games, I think, for the most part. There are definitely some exceptions, don't get me wrong. But my pick is going to be Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I mean, when you talk about the Final Fantasy series, I feel like seven is always tops. You know, they came in really, really hard with that remastered Final Fantasy Seven. Excited to see what this sequel
0: brings to the series. Yeah. And I I think Star Wars Outlaws, I think it could potentially rival a game of the year when it comes out. However, you know, Ubisoft, I think, like you said, right now is kind of in that middling. It's not on the low end. So people aren't like digging their name into the grave. Like I think they've been doing pretty well, but there is some sour taste for gamers when it comes to Ubisoft. The other issue is, are we flooding the market with space exploration? I mean, you yep. see like Bethesda has been working on Starfield forever. And it's like, this is our, our third thing we're doing. It's going to be the biggest thing ever. And like, it barely got a nod with some of these places as being a game of the year. And we're not even seeing it as game of the year with the game award. So it's like, are we flooding this market? Is it too much? And that game in and of itself, I think is a, it's an okay title. It's very much like Skyrim. If you play it a year from now, it's probably a lot better with bug fixes and updates and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm sitting with Star Wars Outlaws. Tekken 8, I'm not a fighting game person. I have played the Mortal Kombat's. I've played Tekken. I've played Street Fighter. I just, I don't see what this brings to the table besides another fighting game with big graphics. Um, but listen, that's me talking as a non-fighting player. I'm with so you. So, if it, if it's yeah. there, great. It's the same thing with came out with like Mortal Kombat One. It did a whole redo of the lore. Um, I think that's interesting. Not my cup of tea.
1: Fighting games are fun, but y- yeah, I mean, if you're not one of the people, I think that are really into the science of the techniques and the combos and things. If you're someone like us that we've played. Plenty of fighting games, you know, Soul Calibur 4, a ton back in the day. And um, Mm -hmm. also those uh, DC fighting Mortal Kombat clones were a lot of fun, too. But but yeah, I mean, Tekken 8, uh, it's it'll I think it'll be great for fighting game fans, for sure.
0: Yes, I think it'll definitely get that esport kicking up some more with a lot of that going into it, which is cool. I'm excited for it. The other game, this is this is a series of games that I don't have the attention span to play but I appreciate, I like watching speedrunners play them. And that's the Yakuza line. And that's where Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth comes in. It was a departure from the OG style of Yakuza games where you'd get into an interaction, you actually uh, actively fight, I don't know what that's called, it's not real time, but like you're, you actually do throw the punches, do the combos, it's fun. When Like a Dragon came out, it is Final Fantasy style of like turn-based, you get like, can do combos, you can do certain things. And so it is a fantastic series. It is a vastly underappreciated series. Like if you want a game, you can get Yakuza 0, any of the Yakuza's easily sink a couple hundred hours into it. For a story game, which is wild. And like talk going back to like Dave the Diver where it's like all this stuff shouldn't be in this game. It is. Well, that's <laughs> what all these Yakuza games are. And Yakuza yeah. like you can own and run a casino. You can go and, like, build RC cars and race RC cars. You can do all these, like, crazy things that are just, like, cra- like uh, do karaoke. All these side missions that, like, have basically no bearing on your main storyline as a Yakuza member. But can add to the fun and, like, the silliness of these style of games. So, like, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. I'm excited to see it. But for me, it's got to be Hades 2. I'm so excited for Hades 2. I mean Hades was one of those games that was in the muck of doing roguelites but doing it kind of like Hyperlight Drifter and a couple, like a couple others but building in like sexy lore and making all the gods super beautiful and super fun. It just was a such a polished game from Supergiant. I'm very excited to see Hades 2 come out and tell, you know, a different story. Uh in the Hades universe and it's going to be such a wonderful game
1: yeah absolutely I think that's a very fair fair pick and I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing which one gets picked here this is a really interesting category to me because it's all hype it's basically saying yeah. what is the most hyped game in the next year we might find that that game is not on any of these categories <laughs> at all so yeah definitely e- interesting exactly. Before we hop over into the game of the year category, I just want to do a little bit of a review on some of the previous winners and just sort of list those off. So we get kind of an idea of what games have topped this list in the past. Uh, This has been going on since 2014. So we've had Elden Ring last year. It Takes Two, The Last of Us Part Two, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, God of War, the uh, Relaunch, whatever you want to call it, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Overwatch before that, we had The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, and then in the inaugural year, we had Dragon Age Inquisition. So
0: definitely some really good titles there. I think it is. And I I think, you know, I brought up the word diversity, and we're talking about the music and the, the qualities that they picked. I think the game awards does so well at like really looking at the diverse style of games. It's not all call of duty. It's not all, you know, one note. I mean, we're seeing like for it takes two to take game of the years is, is is, it's, it's up there, you know, that, that is one of my favorite games. That's just such a fun game. That is, it's the Dave, the diver game of giving you every style of gameplay you could ever ask for in a therapy game and it's it's so cool and so well done so it it's the game awards are fun i really really enjoy them it's a good list and i we're definitely i think i know who's going to win i'm just saying just uh, saying but <laughs> i oh, think it is that, it that is, bias but, kicking in alex <laughs> <laughs> it is a good group of games to put here i will say super mario bros wonder did get in right under the wire but that is also like the best reimagining of that super mario brothers style of game in a long time yeah the the super mario brothers wonder game for me
1: it's uh, obviously i expected that game to be great and it is great but is it like really truly reinventing anything or or giving you something that you can't at least get like a Comparable experience to? I don't think so. Of course. And that's the same reason why for me, Tears of the Kingdom, while a fantastic game that expands upon a beloved Legend of Zelda title, it's difficult for me to look at and say this is the game of the year, especially when Breath of the Wild was picked as mm-hmm. a game of the year already. Um, should I go ahead and pick?
0: Did you did you technically pick yours? Well, I mean, I think everyone knows, but I also want to just bring up too with with Tears of the Kingdom, as a game, is it are all these worthy of Game of the Year? I think absolutely. I think they've yeah. all excelled in their own category of what they're trying to do, and I Definitely. think Tears of the Kingdom. I think the best thing that Tears of the Kingdom did was not trying to reinvent another game, and Definitely. I know there's a huge complaint of a lot of people who are like, "This is just the same game," and it's like, well, yes and no. It's the same universe. The first thing they've ever done. The same universe consecutively, in the same style of game, the same link that you're playing, the same Hyrule and all this other stuff. Right. And I think they were they did it the best way of introducing new powers, having the creepy underdark place, and allowing all of these like very similar things in the map, but it all felt fresh. Yeah. And so. And-
1: Majora's Mask you know people will point to that for example as a a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time but obviously Mm -hmm. a very different gameplay style with that clock that you're constantly Mm -hmm. resetting and that's a big part of that gameplay you know you can play I think Breath of the Wild and then jump into Tears of the Kingdom and you're none of the gameplay is lost on you you know there is that little bit of the introductory period where you're sort of maybe relearning and regathering some of the uh, weapons and abilities that you had before. But, you know, you need to make progress within the game, so it totally makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and I, we didn't bring up too much about Alan Wake 2 and Resident Evil 4. I don't know, I just feel like Resident Evil 4, it's good. I I played the OG, and does it live up to that? Yes. I think that's where I have to let that stand. I think it's, yes, it's a good game. Is it is it better than the rest of these? Absolutely not. And that's why I feel with Alan Wake 2. I, I think it excelled in what it did, but I don't think it beats it. And... My pick in what they describe as recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields, I think has to be Baldur's Gate 3. It's a game that is an insanely niche game for being a tactical style RPG that is crunchy and niche and like it's D&D. But to get people who, like, even people who, like, weren't really playing games or have never played a, a style of game like this, to get a flood of people to come play that, I think that really holds it so high in my book of being, like, you have excelled so well. You have brought non-gamers, serious gamers, D&D and, like, TTRPG fans all together to play this, and everyone enjoyed it. And I think, for me, that's where that has to stand.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's only one game out of these six that basically had people online saying, look, this is the new expectation. This is the new standard, and that's Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. This is the new expectation for RPGs when it comes to content, when it comes to uh, gameplay and fun and story building and world bu- building and replayability and all these things that you want and expect within a video game that you're purchasing. I mean, Baldur's Gate 3, for me, is going to run away with this category this year. I don't even think it's a question. I love Spider-Man. I love Mario and Legend Mm -hmm. of Zelda. And I like playing horror-style games, too. It's a little bit more of a a mood thing for me. And I think that's probably where Alan Wake and Resident Evil Mm -hmm. fall for a lot of gamers. If, If you like playing those darker, grittier games like... Obviously those were must-haves for you, and you were probably very satisfied with that experience. That's just not typically where I'm drawn to. So just sort of like some, you know, research style things for me when it comes to that. But Baldur's Gate 3, I just I don't see a possibility for any game beating it. I will be very, very surprised if it loses.
0: Yeah. And listen, I think a lot of us have already seen some of the other award shows. Baldur's Gate 3 has pretty much run away with a lot of this stuff. And I think rightly so. I, I think it broke any expectation people had. I don't think a lot of people even had one. I think it's seeing like, oh, Larian's done Divinity Original Sin. Those are very fun. We're gonna get that same experience. But to like actually connect with these characters was such a different story for people. And like the best part about this and Larian style games is like you could play however you want. You can min max your character and make it the best fighting character ever. Or you can make a silly wizard that only uses, you know, like ice stuff. Or you can like just go through and try and like talk your way through everything or be an evil character all the way through. It's the first game where like it really matters who you try and save and who helps you. Like that all affects the end game. Like we talked about before, like we want real consequences when it's a choose your own adventure, not just like a, oh, you've chosen. All it does is cosmetically change. The person that stands next to you has no other bearing on the world. This has huge bearings and huge weight that gets applied to this. And everyone that I've talked to has had a different experience or, like, oh, did you find this? Oh, did you discover this? What'd you do with this? I, I haven't had people with that much excitement in a long time talking about a game with each other.
1: Absolutely. I, I think that it sort of transcends the gamer experience, and there's only so many games that I think have done that in mm-hmm. our lifetime and Baldur's Gate 3 to do what it's done and to have the support that it has, obviously from the gaming community, but also from the developer to fix issues, to not try and gouge every cent that they can. When video games are increasingly coming, becoming about that, a uh, long, ongoing life cycle, and you know, being more subscription-style games, you know, to have this much content packed in, and to really have that, those different options available for the player, takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. It's definitely appreciated by us, and like I said, I, I fully anticipate that this game will win.
0: Yeah, and listen, I'm gonna cap it off. I'm excited. It's an independent studio. Winning these awards. Indies are the best games ever. I'm putting it out there now. It's going to win it. Um, But no, it's, it's, I I love the game awards. It's a fun time of the year. You know, it's, it's our Oscars and it's, it's cool to see it and see what people are able to create. I'm very excited. Let us know. Do you think our predictions are correct? Do you have other inferences? Uh, Does everyone fully agree with me entirely and has no other comment? That's what I love to hear. It's great. So, yeah, hit us up in our socials, Discord, whatever. I'd love to get that conversation rolling, and and I'll, I'll see you guys dressed to the nines on December 7th.
1: Absolutely, and go and vote. Go make your picks. You know, that stuff is still open, so I'll go ahead and just pop a little link in the description below. You can sign up. Go make your picks, and try and vote for your games to win, and we'll see what happens
0: absolutely all right guys well we'll see you on the next one it's been a pleasure go out and vote and we'll see you soon
1: take care guys